The world of marketing is ever-changing and can be confusing, frustrating, and outright exhausting. Welcome to Unbottled, the marketing podcast where experts share their experiences, stories, and best practices on online and internet marketing. Featuring Steve Wiedemann, former marketer for Disney, Skechers, and other well-known brands. Break through the hype with real marketing tips from industry leaders. This is Unbottleneck. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unbottleneck, the podcast where we solve common digital marketing problems. And one of the areas that we don't talk enough about is local search or multi-location or franchise SEO. So today with us is Crystal Tang, and we'll be talking about local digital marketing strategies for 2021. Um, welcome, Crystal. I'm going to introduce you here in a second, but thanks for coming on the show. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. So so you're a strategic um, partner solutions engineer at Uberall, which is a multi-location data management platform, among a million other things. You're based in San Diego, and you craft solutions for businesses to easily manage search, discovery, engagement, um, and conversation across mobile voice and desktop. I can't wait to talk about voice, by the way, um, at Uberall. You're also a Google My Business gold product expert. I'm going to Definitely ask you about that one. And a faculty member at Local U, which I've been to multiple times. If you haven't been to a Local U event, um, I'm sure they're virtual still, but I definitely recommend it. They're very, very cool, very informative. Um, You spent the last decade working in SEO and e-commerce with a focus in local since 2014. And before joining Uberall, um, Crystal led the local product strategy for Rio SEO. Her experience devising local strategy aids brands and agencies in solving their most persistent marketing challenges. So Crystal, really quick, what is it? Uh, what does it mean to be a Google My Business gold product expert? So there is a, a group of folks who have worked with Google My Business for a really long time. Um, and essentially, our focus is on helping users on the Google My Business forum. So Google My Business has a support triage program. Okay. And oftentimes, if you are looking for like strategy and suggestions, as opposed to just getting a problem solved, Google's going to forward you to the forum, which is just a bunch of volunteers telling others the successes or challenges they've overcome based on their own experience. So I've been doing... Do they complain too? Do they complain on the forum about someone spamming? And do you have any, any sort of influence over the GMB folks to try to remove spammy results? Yeah, so um, lots of complaints. Uh, So anyone, anytime you work with someone that's a a GMB product expert, um, always, you know, I I say thank them because we get a lot of people like yelling at us thinking we're Google, thinking we can control it, which we can't. Volunteering. Yeah, we we can't control it, but we can, um, again, provide experience and guidance. You know, this is what we've seen a hundred times before. This is going to be your best path to solution following these steps. And if you hit a roadblock, come back and I'll talk to you about next steps. But this is where I need you to start. So, um, you know, that's that's typically what we're doing is just saying, based on our experience, this is what, you know, we do. And uh, we also, you know, work closely with the Google My Business product team. So if there's something that's not working or something they should be considering that maybe at their purview they can't see, we're the ones that are really close to the users. We are also the users. So we're able to kind of share that feedback with the GMB team. So you, and have, you have a red line to, to basically call somebody at Google directly. 
Not necessarily, but they listen to our feedback. We do meet with them on a regular cadence. We do have, you know, chats and, and conversations and then on-sites or virtual on-sites in the last year where they are actively seeking our feedback and guidance. They do value the, the product experts and they understand that, you know, we're on the front lines. Has that, do you know, has that product team gone down a little bit, um, you know, at, at Google since the pandemic? Or uh, I, I kind of get a, an impression based on, some of the the shifting results that I've seen over the last um, you know several months that maybe there's just not as as many folks there to answer the replies of people who are complaining about you know spammy listings and so forth. Or do you know? So um, and all of this is is just my assumption based on what I've seen. I don't think the team has gone down. I think there's been a lot of readjustments. So um, nice. in the last year, in addition to like the increase in spam there's been a huge increase in features that are available to businesses on GMB. Right. And so I, my assumption is that they pulled a lot of those resources to work on some of these newer features, all the new attributes and the functionality and things that would have moved a lot slower if there wasn't a global pandemic. Um, and so I, I think that was probably one of the issues. And then obviously recently um, they have a huge base of customer service reps in India and that's been unfortunately impacting um, oh, yeah, with, with what's recently. going on there. Yeah, there's been a lot of um, slowdown in terms of response right there. So well, thanks, um, thanks for sharing. I'm sure a lot of folks yeah. are, are frustrated and confused and having this feeling like what what's going on over there? And it's yeah. not that there's a lack of resources it's that they've moved around to try to support new features. And a lot of the support teams are in places where, you know, they're, they're impacted by the pandemic. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm surprised we never really hung out at one of those local U's. I think, <laughs> I think on the next one, we're going to have to get together and get some coffee or something. Definitely. Sure. Yes. Well, let's jump into some questions. I have a few lined up. I actually have uh, six specific questions and um, a little lightning round of, of my favorite Q&A. So recovering from a global pandemic is, of course, on the minds and hearts of so many people worldwide right now. As we emerge beyond this, can you share what you're seeing as the local digital marketing and SEO landscape post COVID-19? Yeah, so I think right now um, in some parts of the world, obviously not every part of the world is um, in recovery mode, um, but where there's you know economies that are looking into recovery, um, what I see is a focus on what worked and was successful in the last year. Um, okay. I think we you know we talked about businesses that you know, moved quicker than they typically would have to launch some of these like virtual services and, you know, off premises, delivery, takeout. Yeah. Right. All of those types of things that normally take like six months to get approval on <laughs> where they're just like, we have to do this now. We have no other option. Kind of refining those like, you know, where did we move quickly that we can go back and say, is this the right way? Are there adjustments we need to make to that? Um, which of these maybe aren't working or are not ready for market that we need to mm -hmm. rethink? Um, what are the responses to these features and services? So I think a lot of it was last year fast forwarded a lot of things from a digital perspective. And this is the moment, especially right before holiday, we start thinking about holiday because we're like, oh, it's, you know, we're already halfway through the year. This is crazy. Yeah. Before we dive into holiday season, like, are your curbside pickups ready for prime time again this year? And not as sloppily as maybe they were rolled out last year. Like, you know, people are, are going to expect to maintain these services. Um, so I think that's kind of the mode we're in right now before we uh, approach holiday season is refining everything we did in the last year. Just pausing for a second. 
Sure, and Lear- learning from from some of the things that happened. I'm I'm noticing also a bit of a a trend in um, in a demand for product. Uh, there's product inventory issues because a lot of the suppliers have changed or closed or reduced, you know, um, what's available. So restaurant chains in in general, uh, some of them are struggling with with products inventory issues, and then second is with um, jobs. Uh, I noticed, yeah. you know, the especially in restaurant where people don't really want to be handling food, you know, and, and dealing with a lot of people, you know, during a, a you know, a, a crisis like that, where they're more um, susceptible to getting sick. So um, when they do bring people in, they generally don't stay more than a few days right now. So they're having to adjust. And I think, I think the biggest learning for a lot of them is that they kind of pay them a little bit more, right, than they than they did previously to motivate them to come in to come back in if they worked there before, um, you know, and, and just finding people who want to find a job right now. Um, So, you know, one of our our clients, this big um, uh, virtual uh, hiring event, you know, to try to bring in new employees and to try to, you know, build awareness that there's jobs uh, open, you know, come on in and and come interview. And so we're creating, we're creating job pages and doing things to try to uh, address from a search standpoint, what people are looking for. And right now, it's hopefully going to start being more jobs, and it's going to be you know, um, if if anything, maybe more um, suppliers, you know, for these big organizations that are trying to figure out where to go to fill all the demand for all the people that are now out of their house looking for food when their supply has been down to a fraction during, you know, the, the year of how we went through. Yeah. Um, I would yeah, I would so, just add there a great point. Um, if you're not doing Google posts for them for their, their job events, I would definitely suggest exploring that. I saw it, you know, when Google Post came out a couple years ago, some large yep. national brands, you know, using those for employees, but that would be a, a really great, um, you know, kind of way to add that digital. And it takes just a couple minutes to go in there yeah. and do it too. Yeah. Um, by the way, and, and it's kind of off topic, but at Uberall, is there a way to to bulk post um, through the the platform for multi location brands? I never yeah, we. That question to Greg. We, we actually have um, all types of, of Google posts. You can um, not only post across your locations or you can segment it. So if you've got different posts that are, you know, applicable to specific regions, any type of filtering you need, you can um, post it within there. You can create templates and then you can also schedule them out. So if you're like, hey, I want to schedule my next month's worth of posts and only dedicate an hour to that and not, you know, an hour every week. We have that functionality as well. Understanding so, that so Google opened it yeah. up so that you could do that. Or are you guys using some crazy iMacro system or something to, <laughs> to do that? No, it actually is all available via Google. So um, when COVID happened, Google basically said, "Chains, go ahead and use the API for posts." Okay. Um, but they did say it was temporary. Um, though I, my understanding right now is I don't think Google has any end date to turn posts off for chains. Um, and I think they've been able to, when I've asked them, Hey, like, do you think this is going to end? Should, you know, agencies and SaaS companies like not invest a lot of resources in this? I think they actually saw pretty positive benefits from posts. Um, not a lot of spam, which I think was kind of a concern. Um, so I would definitely, if you're a multi-location brand, definitely leverage the post, definitely add those into your content calendar. Um, I don't have a sense that they're going away anytime soon. That's great news. Yes. So next question is, how, how would you define the online journey versus the offline journey for businesses and brands? What should business owners know about how these two work together? So I would first start by saying they are so intertwined and the last year has just made that explode. 
Um, I think you mentioned too that so much of search starts from a product aspect where I think traditionally we think someone has a store or a restaurant or something in mind. Whereas now a lot of the searches is like, I need this specific product. And so a lot of that research is taking place online, but maybe they're not willing to wait to get it for a couple of days or it's something they need quickly or they've been trying to find. So understanding that if you have your information present online, that they need to know what are the in-store, you know, availabilities, what can they do? Can they pick it up in line? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, I almost feel like they don't operate separately anymore at all. You can't just purely be, you know, online. Um, You've got to have some type of physical presence, whether it's just a person um, or something like that. And uh, you know, if you're, purely brick and mortar, you cannot, absolutely not, you know, ignore digital. You've got to have some type of presence. I think like if you think restaurants, for example, there's been plenty of restaurants, I think for a long time that were able to succeed just by word of mouth. You know, maybe they were just so good or they've got a Michelin star or something and they wouldn't even have claimed their Google My Business listing. Um, I feel like that is a non-negotiable now, um, given all the desire for people to need to know so much information about your business before they visit. Like, what are your health and safety protocols? Like, right. are you going to have outdoor dining and those types of features that just not having a digital presence would not allow you to show? It's a lot more thought into when we go out than what we had before the pandemic, for <laughs> yeah, sure. Definitely. My favorite was um, uh, BJ's Pizza before the pandemic even started. If I was doing a search for a type of food I, I liked and BJ's came up, um, you know, I go to the site, it guide me over to the to the mobile app. Right. And from the mobile app, I could actually um, get my place in line. I could I could pre-order some of the food that I'm, I'm going to eat when I when I get there. So when I sit down and they say, what would you like? You, you can say, I actually already ordered the app online. And they're looking like, yeah, you sure did. I'll go get it for you. Yeah. Um, and you could even pay. So what I what I really enjoyed about that, that whole journey was that um, I, I kind of kept the entire experience, you know, through the the app and the attribution. I'm sure that BJ's got from what I searched to what I spent um, is something that most restaurant franchises and a lot of businesses that are, you know, that are actual local businesses don't do. And there's so much data that you can extrapolate from that because then you can see what what was it that they searched for that caused them to come in and actually make a purchase. Um, the you know the the attribution generally stops the moment the person finds the phone number and or and or gets directions you know then they're then they're done once they get to the location their phone goes back in their bag or in their pocket and they're finished we don't know what else they did after the fact and i i think that was a really neat way to kind of marry the you know online and offline giving them attribution but also giving me the consumer the ability to control my experience through the mobile app or or through the website if you know if that was an option i thought that was really neat yeah, I love that. And if you think about the operational challenges restaurants have been able to or have been having, you know, with hiring staff, you know, this could potentially help in that process, you know, digitizing more of that in-person experience could, you know, cut down on your need to have, you know, um, multiple wait staff. And all the data you're going to get from yes, it is insane. So yeah. Um, Next one, you've, you've mentioned the part of digital marketing, that part that digital marketing agencies play in aiding local businesses through that online offline journey. Um, can you walk us through how you see the role of agencies in supporting that journey and how they can improve those efforts? Yeah, so um, I always kind of 
think about it as if you're, you know, an agency partner of, you know, a, a brand or a business that you can make yourself look like an extension of that team. You know, what are the things you can do for them that they're not already thinking about? So, um, you know, put it in the simplest of terms, like maybe there's a new algorithm that came out on Google or no, maybe there's a new search Next feature month. Yep, or, yeah, <laughs> or, or something that they should be preparing for. But they're right. over here trying to address hiring challenges or they're trying to address this new, um, you know, curbside pickup feature that they're doing and how to get this, you know, deployed on pages. How can you supplement what they're doing and saying, hey, we also need to pay attention to these features. So becoming an expert at their business from an industry perspective, I feel like can really take you a long way in terms of your relationship with that client. I love that. Yeah. And then if you're coordinating with every member of the team and yeah. and they're communicating with you and what they're doing, you can also prevent them from sort of doing something that could hurt your search efforts. Hey, we're doing this big new thing. Well, thanks for letting us know. You just stripped out 50% of our SEO efforts from last year. Yeah. Right? So there's there's definitely that that value in having those relationships and communicating so that you know all the teams are on the same page and aligned so that you can help them when there's a new opportunity with the business and you can help prevent any sort of loss of ranking by, you know, them just making business decisions without talking to the SEO extension, as you called it, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and bringing the teams together. I love that you point that out. Like, mm -hmm. I think that shows the power of what an agency can do is right. when you would tell them, hey, make sure you check with your development team or your engineering team before they do something like this. Um, and they probably don't have a relationship like that. I think agencies have the ability to, to build that bridge. Absolutely. I love it. So what, what tools do you live and breathe by in that online and offline journey? And I know, I know the big one, Uber all, right? Yeah. <laughs> but what other tools do you, um, do you swear by? So um, I definitely, obviously at Uber all, we're pulling in data points from a lot of different, you know, places, um, primarily Google, Google My Business, because that's where 90 to 95% of users are living. Um, I personally do a lot in Excel. Um, so if I'm, you know, exporting data from maybe Google Search Console or Google My Business, um, and then just looking at it in Excel, there's something to me that just like looks so pretty about a lot of data in like a very simplified format. Um, but also I find it helpful to like visualize it in Tableau. So if I'm gonna then go communicate that to a, a prospect or a customer, um, obviously making it simple to understand someone looking at, you know, a million data points may not find it as interesting as I do. Um, so sure. a lot of the times we might add, you know, visualizations either in Google Data Studio or Tableau. Um, and, and that's typically where I'm doing a lot of that uh, visualizations and, and delivering it to clients. I think we've, we've both seen enough Excel that we have grid lines like embedded, <laughs> like tattooed on our eyeballs. Yeah. So, so many late nights in Excel trying to figure things out. And I just can't get away through, from it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gone through so many keywords in, in my <laughs> 22 years of search. Um, I remember with, uh, with one of our restaurant chains, we found 185 thousand search term opportunities mm. that I had to shift, uh, sift through and, and sort and, and move to tabs. And it was this six month journey of trying to get it all done and in little bite sized chunks. And by the time I was done, I, I said, I'm never looking at Excel again. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of my favorite topics, of course, is local search, right? We just talk about the, the you know, importance of data management, the importance of having a, a high performing 
uh, and very helpful, delightful local page for, for each location. The um, importance of making sure the data for that business is available on other websites for Google and, and being defined and sort of calculated into their popularity scores and reputation and, and getting um, you know a nice velocity of good positive reviews coming in and responding to negative reviews. Those four areas seem to be pretty mission critical when it comes to an SEO standpoint. Um, the first part of that, of course, is the listing management piece. And I know there's a lot, a lot of different platforms and options, and even manually, if, if you've got all the time in the world to manage all of your listings. Um, what's your approach when it comes to listing management and any obvious or less obvious directories that um, you see business owners skipping all too often that are important, like your Yelps of the world? Uh, and if you had to give business owners uh, the task of focusing on only a few directory and listings, uh, what would they be? So I would say, um, you know, our approach to listings is uh, kind of one of those that's like, this is the core to your business. You have to get it right. Nothing else will succeed without it. Um, and it's not always the prettiest. It's not always the most exciting, but it, it's a non-negotiable. So um, what we take as the core of our business at Uberall is we have this multi-step data cleansing process where every piece of data that comes in goes through a multi-step automated as well as manual process. So um, we're making sure that it's formatted before it goes to Google, before it goes to Bing, before it goes to Apple, before it goes to every site. And we're and taking they all, all have of their own special requirements and yeah. fields. And, yep. Yeah, so we've got a team that's doing that. And then we also have a team that is manually placing every map pin on the rooftop of that location. And so what we find is by starting the process with really clean and optimized data, there is a speed to ingestion by Google. Um, we, you know, there's a speed to ingestion by Apple, you know, and that we're getting it there quicker. So I think first, ultimately starting with really good quality data um, that's formatted to each of their requirements, you know, yellow pages want something different than Yelp yeah. wants. Um, so that's, you know, kind of core to our business model at Uberall. Um, and then from there, I think, you know, making sure that you have your core bases covered. These are Google, of course, Apple, um, which I think probably plays more um, into consumers than a lot of the other sites. Like I think probably Apple Maps could be more important than Bing, say, maybe not from a ranking standpoint, because it can't be scraped and measured the exact same but way. Not having a, a ticked off user who went to the wrong place from their iPhone map. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but definitely Apple should be a core one. Um, Yelp for anyone in the hospitality industry. Um, you know, maybe if you're a, a corner store, Yelp's not as important, but someone that's, you know, service is core to your business. I think Yelp is there. Um, TripAdvisor, if you're a restaurant or a hotel, um, sure. And then, you know, from there, I think there's another set of supplemental sites, say maybe five to 10, that mm -hmm. Google is using as trust factors. So they're going to go and evaluate and make sure your data that you're providing matches uh, your website. Yeah, they're matching what's the aggregators have in, uh, in their system, what the places like Yellow Pages and, you know, some of these kind of we call them longer tail citation sites. It's yeah. still important to be present on, you know, you don't have to have, you know, every single element, you know, filled out, you know, they're really just looking at kind of your core location data. So to have your bases covered um, sure. and outside of there, definitely go niche to your industry. So if you're a plumber, make sure you're on Angie's list. And, you know, if you're a lawyer, you're going to have, you know, Lawyers. different sites that are relevant. Yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. And dentists <laughs> and doctors and healthcare is a huge industry where you've got unique niches. But um, 
I think that's really, it's like, as long as you're where your customers are, that's typically where Google is going to be, you know, kind of scoring you based on. Sure. How, how important are the aggregators these days? I mean, back in the day, you know, like, like you'd mentioned, the, the the data accuracy is sort of like the, the nucleus of, of a really successful local search campaign, right? Um, and the aggregators were where a lot of these directories were pulling their information from. And then at some point, some of them turned into their own, like Foursquare turned into their own aggregator. Um, what are What's the importance of, of some of these aggregators these days? And what are the big ones that we should be paying attention to? So I think when it comes to the aggregators, you either have, if you're not submitting to them directly, I think you can submit to the sites that they're going to be pulling data from. Um, because okay. the aggregators, they thrive on information. So if they're not getting from you as a business or as an agency, they're going to get it from somewhere else. Um, right. And again, these are similar places, like they're either going to pull it from Google or Bing or Apple or Yelp or these other these other lists. Um, so I think there's you've, you've kind of got a couple options. If you're not going to the aggregators directly, um, you can go to the other sites uh, that they're feeding from. Um, I think the challenge with the aggregators, though, and having an aggregators only approach is your the ability to customize your information is limited. So you're submitting your data to, say, like an info group and info group doesn't allow you to kind of categorize it uniquely. So if you want to really promote your profile as a service area business, you're going to have limitations as opposed to cutting out info group and just going directly to, you know, five or 10 long tail sites that do support service area businesses, but it's the limitations of info group that yeah, do field, not support Field it. limits and other things, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot more that you could do when you go directly into those. Uh, let me see if I got it right. So we, we talked about the aggregators. So for businesses paying attention to where they need to submit their business, um, the aggregators, and, and I, I think I know a couple of them, Foursquare, which I think merged with Factual, yeah, um, Info Group, Factual. which is what, Data Axel now, I think? Yes, yeah. Um, and then uh, there's also the Newstar. Yeah, right? Newstar Locallys. Is there is there any other one that's kind of popped up or coming up that we should keep our eyes open for? So I, I think the, the one that's moving in the right direction is definitely going to be the Foursquare Factual. Because um, okay. I think before they acquired Factual, um, you know, Factual is kind of just there. They weren't really delivering anything of quality yeah. or with any, you know, value. But now that Foursquare's acquired them, um, I think Foursquare has the right sense. They're giving your data to a lot of apps, which is huge. Um, they are still leveraging the, the Factual network. Um, but I right. think in terms of like niche directories and sites, I think Locally's has more of those. It's just the challenge is measurement when you're leveraging the aggregators. So they're not really giving you proof of publish on each of these end sites. And then also we, control. We've UTM them before, by the way. We put a UTM code on the URLs that we submitted in the past as a, as a test. And a lot of the directories just don't Shut drive up. the traffic. You're still going to see it from Yelp and from, from Google My Business and um, you know, maybe one or two other like niche directories, but for the yeah. most part, there's not a lot of referral traffic that you're going to get. So you're right. There's no way for you to know, you know, where Google's finding that information because you're not likely getting a lot of traffic from it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I think control over how your listing displays on those sites. So, um, you know, ultimately I think if you can control your data, then, you know, you can use it. I think the aggregators are a fine option. Um, you know, if you've got a lot of locations and you don't have the ability to submit directly, it's, you know, kind of a, a decent option to get you a lot Bare of minimum. Yeah. A Bare lot of breath across the, the web. Yeah. Got it. 
So we have the aggregators, we have navigation engines, right? Your um, uh, map systems, you mentioned Apple Maps. You've got yeah. your search engines, which are, you know, Google My Business and being local and who knows what's going on with Yahoo. There's a whole, that's yes. a whole nother <laughs> podcast. Um, then you've got your um, social local directories, your Yelp and your Facebook and what was Foursquare, which is kind of still social local and aggregator now, I suppose. Uh, and then you've got your niche directories for your industry yeah. and probably your local directories, which are those that are actually in your, like your city, yeah. um, I'm in La Mirada, so it'd be like lamarada.org slash businesses or whatever, uh, chamber of commerce, um, you know, uh, whatever your actual regional, um, you know, city sites are where you can list your business could be something that search engines find and add to your sort of your trust um, in terms of how they find your data. So those are, those are really, I, I think, kind of the core of, of for a business to, you know, be paying attention to those those yeah. aggregators, those nav engines, those. And it sounds like you know platforms like like Uberall kind of handle all of that in one swoop, so that you don't have to submit to every single one of those destinations. It's all you know part of the network and um, works as sort of a single source of truth for the data, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what it's, it takes all of the guesswork out of that. You give us one piece of location data, you know, one entire location, and we do the rest from there. And we say, this is where you're published. This is where your information showing. This is how many clicks you're getting from these sites that nobody knows about. Um, but yeah, that's, that's essentially what a local SEO does. specialist and you want your life back. Yes. Use a platform. <laughs> there you go. Uh, last one on my list. Let's talk about local best practices for businesses and the few critical areas that, that we know, um, especially over the last couple of years that become more important. Uh, reviews, reputation, and messaging. So let's let's talk about that. And and I don't know. I haven't um, haven't had a chance to really play with Uberall, but is is reviews and reputation management part of the platform? Where if a business wanted to at scale, sort of get a, a bird's eye view of you know what what the overall rating is across different websites, and how important is that for um, local search? Yeah, we actually cover all three of those: reviews, reputation, and messaging. Um, so in terms of reviews, uh, our platform is pulling in and giving, you know, users the ability to respond to reviews across like 16 sites. Um, albeit, you know, majority of those are coming from Google, uh, Yelp, TripAdvisor and Facebook. Um, but yes, definitely we we allow the ability to pull in reviews. Um, and that is something that we actually see a ton of engagement in the platform for. Right. Um, you know, whether it's a multi-location brand or an agency that is managing SMBs, I think everyone is, you know, if they haven't before, are starting to understand the importance of those. And then from a reputation standpoint, you know, giving businesses and agencies the ability to see, like, what is happening with my locations? Is it right. trending positive? Is it trending negative? Is there a region within the country that is having a challenge or having success? And if so, why? What does that look like? So really giving the ability, like you said, to see top level, but also be, be granular if you want to. There's a lot of, you know, kind of customization functionality. Um, and then the tools, obviously, to manage it, to respond, you know, to share it, you know, all of those things that, uh, you know, a business would need to do with their reviews. So what's what's great about Uberall and, and similar platforms is that you don't have to keep logging in to Google My Business, to Yelp, to Facebook, to see all of those different reviews. You can see them in, in aggregate um, within the platform and you manage and respond and, and interact uh, with those reviews in one place as opposed to having to go to all those different places to submit. 
I think that definitely takes a lot of time and stress off of the, the marketer. And I think one of the reasons why it's important beyond just that that moment where you're an auto repair franchise and you look at your Google My Business reviews for the first time and see people yelling and screaming at you and you're like, it's from like a year and a half ago. I didn't even know people were mad here, you know, yeah. and I've seen that actually happen. And it's really sad. And you're like, I wonder why you're not getting any traffic. So we we always think about about those three main components for organic search, right? Is is do we have a page of content that best solves what the person's actually searching for? Um, are we getting visibility off the website that Google and other search engines are recognizing as trust and authority signals that pass votes to our pages? And are we standing out in the search results to get clicked on more often than our competitors and keeping them there because we provide that delightful experience? And I think the reviews from a local standpoint um, allow us to have stars underneath our listing and nobody clicks on one or two star websites right, or, or businesses. Yeah. You know, they want they want to go to a business that they trust. Or even if you do have five stars, if you only have two reviews and your competitors are in the 30s or 40s, it, it just doesn't make you stand out as well. So I think just paying attention to that to boost the the search appearance to influence user search behavior could have a you know a long term impact, I think, on keyword rankings, at least when we think about Google Maps, since I know our our pages don't always have star snippets in the search results. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they took those away. <laughs> yeah. Not from all, but from, from enough that it, it definitely, I think it definitely made an impact on CTR. That's yeah. something I'll have to do after the podcast is go see who pulled some data from after that last update in terms of how the impact to CTR was. Yeah. That's going to be really interesting, especially lawyers, right? Gosh, those are the ones yeah. that I think got hit the most. So I have, I have some lightning round questions for you. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Number one, is who should we be following in local or multi-location search? Like what what influencers? Who who influences you? Who do you follow on social media when you know you want to look up to somebody who's really good at local search? So I would definitely say like Cindy Crum is one of like the smartest people I know. She's all about like mobile um, and understanding what you look like from a mobile perspective for multi-location businesses. Um, she's got a great tool and like anytime I see her present, like she, my, my brain just explodes. She's so smart and she's got a great team behind her. So um, I would definitely say Cindy. Okay. Um, if I needed to, if I needed to quickly rank for a, a search term in maps, let's say I'm an attorney and I decide I want to go after car accident lawyer as a keyword, what's the one thing that I could do to make the, the biggest impact to helping to rank for that one search term in Google? Uh, spam your name. <laughs> uh, obviously, it's against guidelines, but it works. Uh, like if the, truly, that's what you should do is add that we've, keyword we've to your name. We've actually had to have a few of our clients change their DBA specifically because of that challenge. I hope somebody at Google, my business there, will watch this later yeah. and, and fix that that, <laughs> that, uh, that loophole. Yeah, um, yeah. Cool. What's one, one thing that drives you absolutely nuts that people do in local search um, that they think is benefiting them? Um. I think uh, the service for a service area business, um, when you put your service areas in Google, they don't impact your ranking whatsoever. All they do is draw a polygon on the map. So I think a lot of people pay a lot more attention to your service areas in GMB and they don't do anything for you. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's what's one thing that that a client has done that drove you absolutely nuts as it related to their local search? 
Um, I think whenever someone launches uh, new local pages and does not link them to their GMB profiles for like a very oh, long yeah. time and they and just keep the, into the homepage. Yeah, yeah, the domain on there. Uh, it's a big loss, a big miss. Um, and also, if you know, if you update the website in GMB, it triggers a crawl. So um, it's definitely beneficial to update those links in GMB for your new local pages. Very cool. And if somebody wanted to become an expert in local search, I think we already mentioned Local U is a good resource for that. Yes. But what other resources might somebody who hasn't really gotten that deep into local SEO but wants to be an expert like you, what what um, what suggestions do you have for them? So there's a lot of forums. Um, so Local U has a forum, um, and then there's the uh, local, search local Search Forum. forum. Yeah, that's run by by Joy Hawkins and Sterling Sky. There's just so much knowledge there. sharing. Yeah. Um, that goes on. And then there's a, a bunch of other kind of groups and forums. So if you go there, then you connect with everyone on Twitter, everyone's sharing links, um, but and everyone's open to sharing. So I definitely say, look at some of the, the local search forums that are out there. Awesome. I love that dynamic about our industry. Any other industry, they're so competitive and secretive. And for us, we just were, we're so into helping each other. We realized every business needs search. There's plenty of business out there. We can support each other and help each other. And um, I just, I don't know, I really love that about our community. Yeah, um, we're fortunate what, for that. Yeah. Well, Crystal, this has been amazing. What What are some ways that somebody could get a hold of you or what, what how would you like them to, to find you or follow you online? I would say the easiest is probably Twitter. It's at Crystal underscore Tang. Um, you know, always feel free to connect, DM. Um, I'll always respond. So definitely open to connecting. Sweet. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing today. And uh, I know we came up with a couple other podcast ideas, so there might be yes. something again in the future. But thanks for being on our show. And guys, thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode.